Who would win if Utah and BYU faced off in 2023? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On Utes and Locked On Cougars your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube and wherever you may get your podcast. My name is JT Wistersill, the host of Locked On Utes. Excited to be joined by Jake Hatch, the host of Locked On Cougars, for this special crossover. And Jake, with fall camp right around the corner for both Utah and BYU, I thought it was a good time for us to come on and uh, do what this kind of time of year is about right do some predictions and get people fired up and that's what we're going to be doing today talking about who would hypothetically win if utah and byu faced off in 2023 it's a bummer they won't be playing each other again this year but i it is they both still have exciting schedules and things to look forward to of course but it, this is definitely a fun conversation we're gonna have today jake hey it's not out of the realm of possibility it would have to be a bowl game but it, it, it's it's a it's a still a possibility on that front and cam rising and cole bishop were both asked by las vegas media to be very clear uh down a pac-12 media it was somebody from las vegas who asked them that question about playing byu but it was actually i it was kind of refreshing to hear both of them say that they wanted another crack at byu and i know that byu players are certain ones on their roster who have said the exact same thing had they been asked about potentially facing utah and yeah it's kind of fun it's a hypothetical obviously because they won't actually be being on the field in the regular season at least but uh it's fun to discuss it all the same it is weird that Cam Rising will go down as one of the best quarterbacks to have gone through Utah, especially for what he's accomplished recently. His record will be none, basically, against BYU. Like, yes, he lost one game, but that was with Charlie Brewer as the starter as well. Just kind of one of those uh, those weird caveats overall. So we'll get to predictions, who we think would win in general. But I thought we could start with who would be favored. And I do think regardless of the location, I do think just based on what they've accomplished in the past, as well as the returning talent, I do believe Utah would be favored. And I will say there is a chance, depending on, let's say this game was played, in that kind of week two, week three range, like it was a couple years ago, there's definitely a chance BYU could be favored depending on the availability of Cam Rising. But Utah's already the favor against Florida. It's by 10. I think that line would be a little smaller if they didn't think Cam was going to play game one. And all everything we've heard, at least from Cam right now, who, of course, he's going to be optimistic about his own injury, says that he is going to be available for game one. So because of Cam's availability, because of the returners, because of what this team accomplished, just based on how last season ended for them, it was a little bit of a downer for Penn State, but still success off the back-to-back Pac-12 championships versus how the season played out for BYU. I do believe Utah would be the favorite going into this game. And I'll even say regardless of the location, Jake. Well, and I, I've got no disagreement there, just simply due to the fact that Utah is a back-to-back Pac-12 champion. Obviously, they've got a very good program. They're locked and loaded. Yes, they lost some pieces from last year's team, most notably uh, Dalton Kincaid. But BYU is making a transition to the Power Five ranks, and it's going to take some time for them to really get their feet underneath them. Uh, and th- the biggest thing is, you're right, kind of where this game would have been strategically placed uh, had it been played. You're probably right. It, it's week one, two, or three, depending uh, on how the schedule might have fallen. 
And that would have all kind of hinged on Cam Rising's health. The other thing about this, BYU lost Jaron Hall. They lost Puka Nakua. They lost Christopher Brooks. They they, they lost a lot of their offensive uh, stalwarts and stars from last year's squad. So, yeah, I've got no problem saying that BYU would be the underdog in this game. But that's the crazy thing about this rivalry is uh, having grown up in the state and watched it for years, quite literally under in the WAC, the Mountain West, obviously throughout BYU's independent run, JT. Uh, there has always been a favorite, obviously, with, with this game. But it's one of those things. They talk about throwing the records out the window. This is the cutting rivalry game that it just gets it gets crazy. And I usually do toss out the, the favorite status in many ways. I mean, to your point, back in 2021, there was a reason as I, a Utah fan, was like, I'm going to fork out some money to go down to BYU because I'm thinking my team's going to win what would have been, I, I want to say the 10th straight or whatever it would have been just in the rivalry. Like, I felt, I felt good about it. And then everything played out that happened to BYU was able to get a win. That is what makes rivalry games so much fun. You get teams like Ohio State that have just dominated a Michigan in, in overall history, and then Michigan kind of has swung the pendulum now, and they've been the dominant force. So that's what always makes these rivalry games fun, and it is going to be exciting when you get it back in 2023, but uh, or excuse me, 2024 when we get it back, um, and potentially in a bowl game as you discussed. But you did mention one reason I think I would favor Utah over BYU, and that is just, yes, Utah and BYU both lost things, but I just look at the way that Utah is replacing what they kind of lost, and I feel like just some of the transitions will be a little smoother than some of the drastic stuff for BYU and the biggest one obviously being what you get in cam rising just coming back in and yes the health stuff as we discussed earlier a little bit thing but I I like Keaton Slovis but he is still a guy if we're looking at it through nine interceptions in 22 eighth year before that then just kind of one of those guys who is a little turnover prone at times and he is experiencing a new offense once again so early in the year might not be operating as highly let's say if these two teams were to meet in a bowl game I think when he would be even more comfortable in the system in the games by that point overall so starting at the quarterback spot there you also mentioned the loss of Dalton Kincaid for Utah this is one of the weirdest like just kind of best transitions you can have when you're losing a player like Dalton Kincaid when you have a Brant Keithy waiting in the rings like it's kind of one of those just rare things where it's like it's not really a concern like tight end for most teams when you lose a player of that caliber it would be not when you have a guy who was the better tight end the previous two years with both of them on the roster too i think for you talk about big loss for utah you'd probably say clark phillips for sure but you get your two other starting corners back you bring in an sec transfer you also get a couple of really young exciting four-star corners who might be able to contribute early on my biggest concern is a Braden Daniels I know you guys lost break Blake Freeland as well so that's kind of something that's going to be interesting to see how both these teams navigate the offensive line you guys did steal our center by the way you got Paul Miley now over there but this offensive and I really like Paul I think Paul is a great addition for you guys this line didn't really miss a huge beat to me with Johnny Maia out there so I think they'll be okay there and the last guy I'll even throw in there is just Mahmoud Diabate he was still getting used to playing inside linebacker his second season at the college level Leovani Damuni is a dude <laughs> coming over from Stanford and I think he's going to slide right in for this Kyle Whittingham defense so I just really like how Utah has gone about replacing what they've lost Jake well and I see well I, I I like what you mentioned with Utah and their additions don't count out BYU what they've added in the transfer portal. They have brought in Aiden Robbins, who's a six foot three, two hundred thirty pound workhorse of a running back from UNLV. He had a thousand yards a year ago for UNLV, and he absolutely is going to make opposing defenses fear tackling him. He's just he's a huge human being. 
You mentioned the fact that Paul Miley is part of that offensive line contingent. I- I'm telling you right now, JT, BYU's offensive line is going to be their best single unit a- across the board this season. I'm telling you right now. Kingsley Suamati is a potential first-round draft pick. You have Connor Pay, who's a three-year starter coming back at center or guard. You added four high-level transfers, including the aforementioned Paul Miley on the offensive front, including, including Caleb Etienne, who is the starting left tackle for all 13 games a year ago for Oklahoma State. That offensive line is going to be awesome, I think, for BYU. Now, could I be proven wrong? Could they not gel and things could go wrong? Yeah, absolutely. But looking at it on paper, that offensive line is going to be that quote-unquote tip of the spear for BYU's offense, and it's going to be a big differentiator for them, I think, in terms of their overall success in the Big 12. They have a nice running back core as well as a quarterback who has had his ups and downs, as you mentioned, Keaton Slovis. But if they can keep him upright, keep him clean, and keep those holes open for these running backs, there's no reason to think that BYU's offense can't continue to hum like it has the past three or four years with multiple quarterbacks having started. Obviously, Zach Wilson, Jaron Hall, both NFL quarterbacks. BYU's coaching staff, I've talked to multiple coaches on that staff who have told me, JT, they fully expect uh, Keaton Slovis to be make BYU three for three in their last three quarterbacks going to the NFL. If he's truly that good, BYU could be a lot better than most people think. That is a great point. And one thing, of course, it's going to be interesting for BYU is just the Big 12 schedule and yes. what it presents overall. And they're going to be relying heavily on that offensive line, as you mentioned. Also, the defense with Jay Hill coming in to take over. And that's the next thing we're going to talk about in a moment is just how the matchups would play out. How would Utah's offense do versus BYU's defense and vice versa? We're going to get into that in just a moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have the access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why I have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. It helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Make sure you guys head over and add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy for you guys to get started and find the best candidates that quickly prioritize the ones you'd like to interview as well. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one, delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions may apply. So make sure you guys head over to LinkedIn Jobs and find the best qualified candidates for your team today. All righty, Jake, coming back in this one. First, talking about who would have the edge in Utah's offense versus BYU's defense. I, I think the first thing I'll say about this matchup is I really like the addition of Jay Hill for BYU. I, I think he's going to help get this defense turned around. And I will say, with the way the transfer portal works, and you rattled off a lot of those guys right there that are going to help this defense get it turned around. I do think they'll be better than the 97th ranked defense overall in points allowed, which is where they were at, at 29 and a half last season, 94th in yards at 408. I think they'll be better than that. But it's just hard to be leaps and bounds better than that to me in year one of a transition like that. And just because Cam Rising is back, this is a Utah team that still returns three starters along the offensive line. You still have your number one guy basically in a Brant Keithy coming back who we thought was going to be the number one guy last year. You also got guys on the outside that are going to be able to step up and do some things, I think, for this Utah team. I don't think this Utah offense is going to be crazy more explosive, but I do think you get the main core guys coming back will help them on the outside. And uh, you did, you mentioned Aiden Robbins. I think he is he's a beast. I think he's going to have an incredible year, too. Another running back I think a lot of people are sleeping on, especially the Pac-12 media, because apparently he wasn't even on the ballot to vote for, which I think is going to be crazy come the end of the season, is Jaquindon Jackson, just for how explosive and exciting he looked, having not even made the transition until after the season started. Jake. So I do have to give Utah the slight edge in the offense versus BYU's defense here. 
Uh, I wouldn't say even slight edge. I think it's a fairly favorable edge because just you're right. The, the transition for BYU's defense with Jay Hill is going to take some time. Now, uh, they did have a lot of work, obviously, getting done in spring ball. He actually was part of the ramp up to their bowl game, which uh, honestly, I think maybe their best defensive performance outside of the win over Baylor early on in the season was that bowl win against SMU. It seemed like the defense was playing free or playing looser and just really getting after it. And that's kind of what uh, Jay Hill has promised. He refuses, he says, to die by a thousand paper cuts when it comes to defense. He's not going to sit and prevent defense like uh, certain BYU defenses of the last couple of years happen to do and just let teams carve them up. He's not going to do that. He is from the Kyle Whittingham coaching tree. Kalani Satake is cut from that same cloth. It all obviously originates back with guys like Fred Whittingham and Lavelle Edwards. So they're going to have very similar type looking defenses. Speaking of Utah and BYU, but you mentioned it's year one. Uh, there's going to be kinks to be worked out with BYU's defense, obviously getting the right guys in the right spots. Do they have all the dudes they think they need to be able to run this defense to its uh, highest level? Probably not. So, yeah, I think in if, in this hypothetical situation in 2023, I think it'd be a pretty decided advantage for Utah's offense going into a game against BYU. But at the same time, uh, there are guys on BYU's defense who I, I know would crave to face off against Utah. Guys like Ben Bywater, Max Tooley, who grew up in the state and wants nothing more than another crack at, the, at that rivalry game. So they would obviously step up in certain circumstances, but it's a team game. You have all 11 guys who can compete, and I think it would be a pretty decided edge in favor of Utah that way. I agree. And I'm, I'm going to rave about Aiden Robbins in a second because I think he is a huge addition, a guy you hit on a little bit earlier. But I saw your eyes kind of lightened up too when I was kind of talking about Jaquindon Jackson a little bit as well. Do you, do you think he can have a special season too? Uh, he looks that part. And the biggest thing for him is obviously he's making the transition still from uh, quarterback to running back. There's a whole adage, you know, this JT, we're both football guys running behind your pads. It's something he's going to have to learn, obviously, to do as a running back. But he looks like a, an, a I use the term Adonis out there because he just he he is everything you want in a running back. Tall, big, fast, has great agility. Like he, he, he screams breakout running back star for Utah. And I'm expecting him to have a pretty good year. And you're right. It was kind of funny not to see him on that on that. Uh, ballot in terms of the preseason deal, but uh, I think it could be a big year for him. Obviously, there are a lot of other good running backs in Utah's uh, stable there. Uh, it might be the, one of the deepest stables of running backs across the country, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm not think I'm out of line in saying that just because of the talent there, but the thing about it is uh, JQJ, as I like to call him, or most people call him JJ, I just like saying JQJ because he differentiates him a little bit. I, I think he is a phenomenal football player, and I'm hopeful his transition goes as smoothly as it has looked so far. To your point, too, just about him kind of like not just learning the position, but adding the strength and things necessary as well. I, I, I've told this story on my my pod, but I'll tell it for your listeners briefly, really quickly, too. Um, I play basketball sometimes at the Student Life Center. Jaquindon was up there one day. Uh, Jake, I tried to back him down just on a post move. I, I didn't go anywhere. And let's just say the other way. Oh, he went right through me every time, whether it was off the dribble with the speed, which ain't, ain't saying much to beat me off the dribble. I'll, I'll be honest with that right now. But in general, we know what a special athlete he is, but uh, he's got the strength as well. So I, I do think he's capable of having that special season. But uh, he's not the only running back in this matchup to me that is capable of having that because Aiden Robbins coming off a thousand yard season at UNLV. I, I do think he has just not only the nature for how long he's been able to play the position, but just the strength as well. 
well. I think he's the kind of guy who's going to be able to carry some defenders with him into the end zone overall. And I think that would be a good matchup. You talked about how good this BYU offensive line is earlier. I think the interior for this Utah defensive line can really get after it. When you're talking about Junior Chifuna, Samote Peppa, Aliki Vaimahi, all the defensive ends are back from last season. So I expect that unit to be better overall and be able to apply a little more pressure to, and you get year two of Lander Barton. I mentioned, I think Leavani Damuni will do a better job overall than Mahmoud did just because of his familiarity with the position. When you talk about a Karene Reed at inside linebacker as well, a guy who is going to go into his third year now starting games for this team overall. I think the battle in the front seven would really be fierce. You're, to your point too, you mentioned earlier, I do think this one would be a little more back and forth. I'm going to give the Utah defense a slight edge because of those defensive backs I trust. And I, like I said, I want to see it from Keaton Slovis before I'm like, yep, he's going to torch what I do believe is the best secondary in the Pac-12. Well, and that, 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 I think that's a fair assessment. The biggest thing I think for BYU in terms of if you're going BYU's offense versus Utah's defense is the fact is can Utah prove they can get after the quarterback? Because those defensive ends a year ago, frankly, were disappointing. Utah had to bring more pressure to generate pressure, like in terms of linebacker blitzes and the like last year than I have seen in many, many years having watched Utah uh, for many, many of those seasons that they played in the Pac-12. And that's going to be a big key for them. If they're able to generate pressure with just four guys on their, on their, on their front line, that's a big, big win for Utah. Utah, uh, but it, like I guess, in, uh, turning it towards a guy like Keaton Slovis, like you said, you want to see something from him. I want to see it from Utah's defensive ends. Are they really all they're cracked up to be? And if they are, great. Because, yeah, if that's the case, I'd absolutely give the edge probably to Utah's defense slightly over BYU's offense just with some of the reloading BYU's offense would have to do and will be doing uh, going into the season. But if they're not able to do that and you have to bring a Lander Barton or you have to bring a Lavani Damuni or you have to bring Karenian Reed on a blitz, et cetera, to generate that pressure, well, that's advantage for BYU where they can take advantage of maybe some more one-on-one opportunities. And they got a great trio of wide receivers at BYU and Cody Epps, Chase Roberts, and Keanu Hill. All of them may not be the, the dude or the guy that Puka Nakua was when he was on the field, but they are all very capable wide receivers, and they added two guys via the transfer portal and Darius Lassiter and Keelan Marion. I'm very keen on uh, being able to watch out there because both of them have proven at multiple points in their, during their careers that they can have take on starring roles. So the thing about it is I think the biggest thing for BYU to have an advantage in this hypothetical matchup is to force the action where Utah has to bring six or five or six guys to generate that pressure, create one-on-one opportunities, and then your wide receivers, Isaac Rex at tight end, et cetera, those one-on-one deals. Can Keenan Slopes get the ball out of his hands, get those to his playmakers, and then have them make the plays? That's where I think the advantage would lie for BYU. We interrupt this podcast to give you a brief message about one of the sponsors of today's episode, eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors with eBay Guaranteed Fit. You can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to the My Garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports confidence is the name of the game when you shop on ebay motors with over 122 million parts to choose from you'll be back in the game in no time after all it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed get the right fit the right parts and the right prices on ebaymotors.com let's ride ebay guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers eligible items only exclusions apply so make sure you guys head over to ebay motors to get the parts you guys need today for some great deals now back to the episode 
You make a great point in looking back on, I look back to the 2021 season, Junior Tafuna and Van Fillinger with the way they finished the year. And I, for one, was really excited. And I have some podcast titles that I wish I could delete about how many sacks they were going to have last season overall, because they weren't able to keep up that production overall. They weren't able to like kind of finish, they finished the year getting kind of like four sacks in five games or whatever. So I'm like, oh, they're going to be able to replicate that. And then game one rolls around and look, Anthony Richardson's hard to take down, but there were multiple times I thought Van had a good angle out of or something and he's able to get out of it. So that is a really good point by you two are the guys, the Jonah Ellis is the Samote Peppa. Those were kind of the two that came on strong for Utah late in the season. Will they be able to recapture that same, just kind of magic they found late in the year as pass rushers and relay it to the end of the relay it for them this coming season. And especially in a matchup like this against BYU, where you'd have to do it and you have to be, do a good, be good enough to do it too, because as you mentioned, this is a elite offensive line that they would be going against. So there's a lot of fun matchups that make this game intriguing overall, but as for actually predicting it for me personally jake as as we said even even if this was i'm gonna say it as if it was at utah at, or byu at utah just because that is i believe where um yeah. it would it would be played mm-hmm. i'm gonna say utah 34 to 21 utah hasn't lost a true home game since 2018 i do believe that streak would stay alive in this game i i'm making this assumption as well that cam rising is healthy I do think there's a chance if Cam was hurt and like a Brandon Rose was there, there's a chance that Utah could still win this, just like kind of how Jason Shelley was able to help Utah a few years ago. But that's, that's Utah would not be the favorite. I don't think if Cam Rising was uh, was injured and you do have to rely on a guy making his first ever college start. But as you mentioned, just the overall returning talent to me, you have over 11 guys on both sides of the ball that contributed last season returning, and that's not factoring in some of the transfers as well. So that's why I'm going to go Utah 34 over BYU 21. All right, I, I'm gonna flip on the on its head and say it's a rivalry game. I'm tossing everything out the window. Okay. Give me give me BYU 21, Utah 20. Oh, I'll take the Cougars in a slight one. I, it's a rivalry game. BYU fans relish that win in 2021. Trust me, they're still talking about it to this day. You've probably seen it on social media yourself, JT. And uh, they had the whole hashtag 10 is coming for Utah. Well, BYU, I'm sure leading up to a game of this variety, obviously they'll probably be doing it next year when they actually do play in 2024. Was well, gonna be hashtag two is coming. It's the fun part of this rivalry. It, it, it's, it's been so back and forth. I know that Utah had that good run uh, through the through uh, it was a 2009 through 21, winning the nine games that they did. Fantastic runs, tied for the longest streak in the rivalry's history, and that's a big, big deal. But uh, was some fun. I'm going to say BYU 21, Utah 20. Let, let's do this thing. And to your point, I mean, I remember last year I was doing crossovers with uh, Brandon Olson at this time, talking about the very first game, right? Utah was favored by everyone. They were supposed to go into Florida and win Billy Napier's first game. And what happens? Utah ends up losing that game. So, and especially, and that wasn't even a rivalry game because to your point as well, these are the kind of the crazy things that could happen. And a year from now, Jake, as you mentioned, we'll be doing this in preparation for a game later on a Saturday, just because it's been a couple of years since the game happened. What do you expect the hype and just the excitement to be around that game with BYU having wrapped up a year in the big 12 by that point, um, Utah in a transitional year, but no doubt hungry to get a win against their rival after losing the game in 21. Just what do you expect the hype and excitement leading up to that game? To be like uh it's going to be insane uh to, for to use just the the one word answer and that, that, that's the thing about this i'm fully expecting this now let's also acknowledge one thing pk uh who i work with patrick kinahan on the ksl sports zone he was on our radio show earlier this week uh talking about the fact that he thinks that it's uh for kyle whittingham in particular he thinks that kyle may hang it up after this season or he goes like three or four more years he says that's kind of that's the terminology he used and i was like 
Whoa. Okay. Wow. That's that. But it's it's a dec- it's a decent point because it's almost like it's a transitional time and to hand the reins off in a way for Kyle Whittingham would be after this season. That would completely change the whole calculus of how this game is played, the expectations of it. But the thing is, that wouldn't affect any way, shape, or form how fans would feel about this game. There's gonna be plenty of trash talk. There already is. They haven't played for two seasons. They don't play until next year. It's only gonna get spicier as we get closer and closer to that game in 2024 and. It's one of the things that makes the sports calendar go round in this state, and I, for one, cannot wait for it. It's going to be really exciting, and to your point too, just about like how empty the cupboard is going to be for Utah, especially let's say Cam misses the first game, and like Brandon Rose doesn't look great, and Florida beats Utah, then you're really nervous about next year because everyone is going to overreact to Brandon Rose's <laughs> first start, basically. So you're you're losing Cam Rising. You, uh, I don't know if Jaquindon would go, but depending on the type, I mean, I don't even know where he's at in his eligibility either. I'll say, I mean, he was he, he was at Texas at first, and then he's been with Utah for a few years now too. So you don't know with running back, offensive line, you're losing two to three guys potentially. You're probably losing your top three pass catchers in Devon Bailey, Brant Keithy, and Thomas Yasmin. And that's not even to mention, when you have this many guys returning on defense, you could be losing a lot defensively too. So this that is going to make for a lot of fun game to talk about, and especially depending on how BYU ends the season and uh, just oh. what happens to them over the offseason. Yeah, and that's the thing about this. I, the other thing I meant, I meant to mention is at that point, we'll have a better idea of how BYU fits in with regards to being mm-hmm. a Power 5 program. Because we're, we're talking uh, – I'm doing a lot of hypotheticals on my end right now, looking ahead to the Big 12 and thinking of how things are going to go. Well, we don't have hard and fast evidence, but by next year in 2024, we will have a full 12 or 13 games worth of experience under BYU's belt at the Power 5 level, and you'll get a true feel for – okay. How did BYU do in terms of preparation for the Power Five? Did they fall flat on their face? Did they soar past expectations? That, that's the thing about this is we won't necessarily know. So there would be a lot of hype, a lot of different things going into all of this. But the best part about it is the rivalry is back where it should be, and I cannot wait to have it back on the calendar. It's fun to look ahead to next year, but fortunately, Jake, we have an exciting season for Utah and BYU coming up. And before we get out of here, I thought it would be fun to do a kind of a little switch for a second and predict the record for the opposing team. You, of course, used to host Locked On You, so I'm particularly curious. What do you think Utah's record will be in 2023? Uh, now, with regards to Utah, that's the thing about this. I, I look at Utah and they're back-to-back Pac-12 champions, and that that's phenomenal, phenomenal work by them. They have played in four of the last five power, four of the fa- last five Pac-12 title games. It's been a phenomenal run for Utah. I don't expect them to fall that much, but I do expect them to fall off just a tad bit this year. And it all really relies on the health and the availability of Cam Rising. If he's 100% from game one, great. Utah very well could make another run at a Pac-12 title and very well could win it all. But uh, my concern is it's such a quick turnaround. This means nine months, roughly, of him uh, and an ACL. He he might be able to play, obviously, I think in the first few games of the season, but will he be absolutely full go? And that's going to be the true question mark about it. So here's the thing. USC has the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Washington wants nothing more than to, than to have a Pac-12 title under the belt. They've gone with a drought for quite a while here. Oregon's over there thinking, hey, it's our time to rise to the top once again. I think Utah finishes uh, in the top four of the Pac-12, but I, I'm thinking they're going to finish with, like, I think, 9-3, and 10-2 is kind of where the record is. And those losses will come in conference, and they probably come to the Washingtons, the USC's, or the Oregon's, et cetera, that knock them out of actually playing in the Pac-12 title game, unfortunately. But a 10-2 and two season, still a phenomenal year. It's double-digit wins. Celebrate it. 
It's yeah. And to your, I absolutely agree with you. I've actually, the last time I did my record prediction, I think I had nine and three, or I might've gone 10 and two. I might've been optimistic at the time. And uh, it does really hinge on Cam Rising's health, but this Utah team is trying to do something that's never been done before a three beat in the back 12. And uh, even with all the returning talent, it's not going to be easy. Heck Jake, think about how lucky they got last year. I mean, I'm, I'm the host locked on you. So I don't want to crap on Utah, but like, let's be honest. Like if Oregon doesn't collapse, they don't even get in the pac 12 championship game. Like Utah, it's going to have to control their own destiny this year. They're not going to get, they needed three things to happen in the final week last year just to make the Pac-12 championship game. And this is a loaded conference. You go to Oregon State, to USC, to Washington. I could definitely th- see three losses and potentially on how some of the injuries and just how this team looks early on this season could potentially be even more than that because going to Baylor right away is going to be really tough for this team too. So it's going to be very interesting to see. And, and since you gave your Utah prediction, I did really quick want to throw in my BYU prediction. I almost went five and seven. Just when you're making that transition, going to the Power 5 level, playing a bunch of new teams you've never played before but the more i look at this uh excuse me this schedule i see six and six i see these big 12 teams that every single year lose games they shouldn't i do think this byu team is going to go on the road and win one to maybe two road games in the big 12 even in their first season I also think the home field advantage with these teams getting used to playing at the high altitude for the very first time is going to be a big advantage for BYU as well. So I do think they find a way and I think they end up six and six overall. And you're feeling pretty optimistic about the future of BYU football in the big 12, Jake. Well, and that, as the thing about this, I've been a broken record on my podcast saying that six and six is kind of the benchmark for success in my mind. Year one in the Big 12. You get the bowl eligibility, that's great because there's so many unknowns and so many things that you just won't know until you actually are a Power Five football program. You're playing a Power Five schedule for the first time in school history. There, there's so many variables at play here. If you get to a bowl game, celebrate it. And then from there, you can build off of that. And that's the thing about this. I'm looking forward to seeing how BYU does look forward to seeing how Utah does. It's part of the gig with my day job, obviously working for the KSL sports zone and sports radio. Uh, It's just part of the calculus and part of the conversation we have literally every single day in sports radio. Cannot wait for it. And the best part is we're starting training camp next week. Let's go. Yeah, fall camp is right around the corner, so make sure you guys stay tuned in to Locked On Utes and Locked On Cougars. Jake, did you have anything else to add? Uh, I'm, I'm, let's, let's do this thing. That's the big thing. They use the adage, let's light this candle. Yeah, I can't wait. I'll be out at camps for both Utah and BYU with my radio responsibilities. So uh, make sure you tune into the KSL Sports. I'm keep it on both of these podcasts as well for all your coverage. We'll have you, we'll make sure you are well uh, versed in all things BYU and Utah. Let's just, let's just say that. If you guys make Locked On Utes and Locked On Cougars your first listen every day, you will be more than ready to go for Utah and BYU's upcoming college football season. Jake, always fun doing these with you, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, JT. That's going to do it for today's edition of Locked On Utes and Locked On Cougars. But we'll be back next week with fall camp coverage. We'll see you then.